This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A happy Sunday. Happy Christmas. We'll declare it. Happy Christmas. Hashalaba. You get to you get to prophesy your future, you know. You can declare what's going to happen. It's going to be a happy Christmas. Amen. Christmas miracles. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And I love my beautiful church family. You are just so beautiful. We just celebrate what the Lord is doing and what he's going to do. And what does 2016 look like for you? It's, I think that's a really important thing to begin to think about. I shared on um, Friday night uh, and a little bit, um, and I want to I uh, go on from there today because it's something that the Holy Spirit is really uh, pressing on my heart. Uh, but we were talking a little bit about choosing life. It says, if you want to turn with me uh, to Deuteronomy, hallelujah, chapter 30. Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. From heaven above in wisdom power. Love our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, and we're going to have a look at Shalaba verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. Hallelujah. He says, I set before you life and death. And then he tells you, here's the test. Here's the answer. Choose life. We're looking at this uh, prophetic painting here, the dry bones. You know, when, when we might see death and be discouraged, we have the opportunity either to get into misery and defeat or we get to prophesy life. We get to choose life. We get to declare life. Hallelujah. And we need to be wise about the choices that we make. I was sharing on Friday about a little bit about Esau and Jacob. Esau came in after a day out hunting and um, he came in and he saw Jacob cooking up this red lentil stew. And he's like, I want that. I want that. I want it now. Give it to me now. I want that. Uh, he was hungry. He's like, if I don't get that, I'm going to die. I want it. I want it. Give it to me now. I want it. And Jacob went, well, will you give me your birthright for it? And Esau was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't care. Just give it to me. I want it. I want it. I want it. And he was so focused on it. That he just was like, okay, whatever. I just, you know, what's the point of having a birthright if I'm going to die of starvation? Give me this. He was not going to die of self-starvation. But he thought he was. I've got to have this. You know, this is so important to my life. I've got to have it. 
You see it with other people like Amnon when he thought, I, I want that woman tamer. I want her to be my wife. I want her. I want it. I want it. I want it. And he got so obsessed with about it that he made himself sick over it. But, you know, often the thing that we want or we think that we want is not what we really want. We get to choose life or death. And sometimes we think, I want that. I need that. I want that. I need that. But actually our spirit, deep within our spirit, what we really want is to please the Lord, is to follow in the steps of the one who said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want what you want. What do you want, God? To enter into the, the heart of God. What's your plans? What's your desire? Because if we go after what we think we want, very often the cost that we end up paying is way more than we ever realized. Esau later on, when he came to his senses, sought the birthright with tears, and, and, but it was too late. Sometimes you can make choices in the heat of circumstances that will affect your destiny. There are choices that you can make that you think, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I've done really well up to this point. It doesn't really matter. And you make a choice. You know, when, when Amnon made that choice, he didn't know it would end up costing him his life. He didn't know what it would do to, to Tamar. All he could see was, this is what I want. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. We got to be careful. Hallelujah. To recognize I've been given power not to walk after the lust of the flesh. I've been given power to be different. Hallelujah. I've been set free by the blood of the lamb. Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What do you want? What do you want? What's on your heart? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's on your heart? What do you want, God? I've been given the Son of God. Lord, I want to steward him well. How, as if, if the truth is that it's no longer me who live, but Christ who lives in me. As he is, so am I in this world. What do you want to do, God? What does 2016 look like to you? What do you want to see happen? Hallelujah. How do you want to be glorified in my life this year? And to spend some time being deliberate to choose life in your thinking and your expectation. If you've had a grid of, well, you know, this is what life looks like. This is probably what it's going to look like this year. You need to get a mindset adjustment. You have the mind of Christ. Instead of just accidentally floating into the new year, I'm not talking about making resolutions. I'm talking about being deliberate in faith to see, to look and to see what does God want? What is God dreaming about this year through me? To see it with the eyes of faith and to enter into it, to begin to celebrate about it, to begin to rejoice over what his plans are, to begin to come into agreement with it with your mouth, begin to sing and rejoice, hallelujah, and celebrate what the new year is going to look like, to think about What's on his heart? You know what's on his heart? The harvest. The broken being restored. People being set free and delivered and healed. The kingdom of God being expanded. The name of the Lord being lifted up. Hallelujah. You know, if we, if we lose our lives, we'll find it. It's not a popular message. But I tell you what, it's the only one that will really bring you lasting joy. Because many are the plans of a man's heart. But you know, in the, and, and there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. 
But instead, if you embrace the death of Christ and you reckon yourself dead and alive to him and you remind yourself, thank you, Lord, I have the mind of Christ. What's your desire? What do you want to see happen this year? What's your what's your plan? What's your desire? I want to see your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How do you want your name hallowed and lifted up through my life this year? What does it look like? Uh, You know, that's our that's our way of choosing life. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you uh, to be deliberate, to look and see. I was sharing um, from uh, First Kings, um, and I want to go there again today because I believe that the Lord has more to say about this. If you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. I encourage you to be reading your Bibles. It's a good thing. Amen. And uh, the word of God is just such a powerful weapon for us. We need to feed on it, feast on it. Hallelujah. Shalabakoso. First King chapter 19. It's the story about Elijah. And um, Elijah had just been on Mount Carmel and he'd seen amazing breakthrough. You know, the, he'd overcome the prophets of Baal. The power of God had come and consumed the sacrifice and licked up all the water in the trench. And it was an amazing miracle, amazing breakthrough. And then all the, the prophets of Baal were killed. And it was this incredible, glorious triumph. And then Jezebel heard about it and went, right, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I sent, he, she sent word to him and said, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, Elijah went, and ran away. After God of heaven had come and displayed his glorious majesty and his power, sending fire and, and killing all the prophets of Baal with, with, um, by, by Elijah's uh, sword, he came with his strength and his power and demonstrated his goodness. And suddenly, the great prophet is, is intimidated and runs away. You know, it's very easy after a victory, if you're not careful, to go into a hole. So I was always taught coming down the mountain is more dangerous than going up. Often when you're in the middle of a fight, you are keeping your eye on the goal and you're pressing in in prayer. But when you see breakthrough... It's not time to stop praying. You need to remain sober. You need to remain vigilant. You need to recognize, hey, I'm going to celebrate all the time. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to hold on to the one that I need. I'm going to ask the Lord, give me eyesight to see so I recognize my need for you, oh God, that I don't get arrogant and puffed up, but instead say, thank you, God. This was your doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. I cling to you. You are the one that feeds me, that strengthens me. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not strengthened and fed simply by the accolades of men, but I strengthened and fed by the very words of your mouth as you minister to me moment by moment, day by day. Amen. Um, but Elijah, he got, he got really discouraged and it's something that often happens. One of the normal human responses to discouragement is to run away. Yeah, I shared the other night that I went through a season uh, probably about 15 years ago where I was so depressed. I was in a deep, 
dark pit of depression. And I would think, I'd think about where, you know, I'd fantasize, where could I go? Like, where would be the furthest place geographically from Brisbane that I could go? I'd think about maybe Siberia or, you know, just like, that's what I thought I wanted. I just wanted to get as far away from everything. And that's, I think, a normal human response when you are in depression. When you are discouraged, you just go, oh, I just want to run away. I want to get as far away from this as I possibly can. The problem is that geographical distance doesn't take away the pain that's going on on the inside. You can distract yourself, but it doesn't mean that healing comes. God has a, a far greater plan and a, and a better way. It's a, and there's other, other things that we can do to, to try and cope. Oftentimes we put our lives into neutral. Something bad's going on. And it's an awful thing to wake up in the morning and realize, oh, the problem's still there. Oh, that's right. That awful thing happened. Uh, anyone know what I'm talking about? You go, I wish I wasn't. I don't want to wake up. Let's just go back to sleep. You just want to live in neutral for a while because you don't want to actually face the fact, oh, that's happened. That's awful. I hate it. But instead of living under the, the, oh, the intimidation and the pain, God wants to make a way for us. Hallelujah. Where instead of God, I, I, agreeing with the, with the circumstances, we choose life. You see, Elijah was thrown off course because the enemy's tactics got his attention. What you focus on is what you empower. Your state is determined by your focus. It's so important that we are careful not to give our focus and our attention to what the enemy is doing, but to keep our eyes on what the Lord's doing and saying. Hallelujah. If instead Elijah was thinking about, wow, God, you came and you answered by fire. He was thinking about, ah, they want to kill me. The more you think about the awful stuff, the bigger it grows in your mind. And the less your faith feels like it can cope with it. But God wants us to be deliberate to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Not to buy into the drama. You know, there's a lot of drama the enemy wants to throw around. Oh, look at this. Isn't this terrible? Let's talk about this. Let's think about this. Let's, let's focus on what the enemy's doing. And he wants you to buy into that. He wants you to be able to just rehash it and talk about it. I watch sometimes as I'm talking with people and I watch them go from here to here as they start to, you know, get in and describe it again, how terrible it is. It's like, yes, just stop. Stop right there. Let's change tack right now and start talking about something good. Let's look at what God is saying, what God is doing. Because if we're not careful, as we start to look at what's happening, as we start to focus on what the enemy's saying, what the enemy's doing, we ourselves then start to get blinded. We start to believe lies. And that's what happened here to Elijah. He says, um, <laughs> he gets up and he runs away. And then he's in this place by the brook and God is so kind you know he's so kind he knows how to counsel us he knows how to comfort us he's so good at being our comforter and our help I love the way the Lord deals with him here 
He lay and he slept under a broom tree, and suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. I mean, that's pretty nice. I'm having a bad day. So God comes, and instead of saying, Stupid prophet, get up. He says, Here, have some hot bread. Have some water. You know, that's how God deals with us. He doesn't want to, um, you know, be tough and hard. He wants to be our comfort. He wants to be our helper. You know, I'm, I have to learn these things because, you know, I want, I, I want often just to, I want people to focus on the good. I want them to be optimistic and I forget to be empathetic. You know, they'll, they'll tell me something awful and I'll go, but actually, and I'll try to help them look at the good things. And that's wonderful. But you can't bring them there until they realize first that they are loved and understood. God wants us to know that we are loved and that he understands our pain. And he does it so well. He walks and he talks with us. He puts his arm around us. He comforts us. And, and that's what he did here. Uh, but, but Elijah was pretty focused and pretty fixated on what the enemy was doing. And... Um, so in verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and he ate and drank, and then he went on uh, further away, ran further away. The Lord knew that Elijah was just fixated and determined to run away. He goes, Well, can I come too? <laughs> I just Let me comfort you. Let me help you. But he was fixated on it. I'm, I can't handle this anymore. He prayed that he wanted to die. He was asking God, this is I've too much. I'm done. I just want to die. And so rather than, than, than um, smacking him, the Lord's going, well, let me give you some food. Maybe you can feel better. You know, he does, he's so good at this. He's so good at comforting us. But if you remain fixated on what the enemy is doing, you begin to take for granted what the Lord is wanting to do in your life. You can become like Esau and actually forfeit the things that God has got planned for you. So Elijah then goes on and he goes even further away. And he goes into a cave and spends the night in that place. This is over a month later. He's still in this place. They want to kill me. I'm alone. I just want to die. That's a long time, especially after you've had an angel tap you on the shoulder twice and say, hey, have some hot bread. It's not as bad as you think here. So he's in this cave and he's still in a really bad mood. And um, so he spent the night there, verse 9, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So God starts by saying, here, I understand, I feel your pain. Let me give you some food. Here you are. But a month and a half later, God starts saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. You know, his perspective had become 
skewed. He couldn't actually see truth. The reality was, I mean, you look in the next chapter and you read about all these other prophets, these prophets that God's using, that he's sending, who who are speaking to the king. He is certainly not alone. In fact, there were 7,000 others that that were, were around. There were other very significant prophets around. He wasn't the only one. But you know, when you start looking at focusing on what the enemy is doing, focusing on the discouragement, allowing those things to fill your mind, you start to get into the place where you start singing all by myself. I don't want to be all by myself. There's nobody else. I'm all alone. I've done so good. I've been so good. And look how terrible. Why do good, bad things happen to good people? It's so terrible. I just want to die. And the Lord says, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here? Why are you in this place of discouragement and depression? It's not who you are. You know, there comes a time for empathy. And then there comes a time for speaking the truth in love. You know, God at this stage was not going, here, let me give you some more bread. This time God was saying, You've forgotten who you are. What are you doing here? But Elijah blurts out, blah, 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 blah. So this is God's response. The Lord says to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood by the in the entrance of the cave. You know, it's interesting. The Lord said, "Come on out, let me show you stuff." But he didn't go out. He he was just like, "No, I'm depressed." And so you've got fire, you've got rocks breaking in pieces, earthquakes, this incredible show going on outside. And Elijah's like, all by myself. And finally, he hears a still small voice, so he comes out. You know what the Lord says? What are you doing here, Elijah? You know... He didn't understand the question the first time round. Because he gave exactly the same answer. (laughs) They want to kill me. My my ministry has been useless. Israelites are all away from God. There's nobody serving you. I might as well just die. I'm no better than my fathers. You know, if you don't... Allow the Lord to be the glory and the lifter of your head. You can bring yourself into a place where you start believing the lies of the enemy. It's so important that we shake ourselves off, that we listen to the voice of the Lord. The Lord wants us to say, wants to remind us, hey, this is not who you are. This is not where you're supposed to be. You are not called for depression and discouragement. 
You are called for greater works than I've done. Hallelujah. You were called to see the glory of the Lord manifested. You've been called for such a time as this. He wants you to lift up your head and begin to sing, O barren, you have not born. He wants you to think about the good things that he's done, to feed on his faithfulness, to set your mind on things above, things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. He wants you to focus on, on what he is saying, what he is doing, to give thanks for his goodness. Hallelujah. I remember once um, I was in a really discouraged place and then something worse happened but I decided I was going to go sit at the piano and I just began to write a song and I began to just deliberately give thanks and it was a bit difficult because I was in such a bad mood can you believe that (laughs) but I thought okay I know what I have to do I have to give thanks I'm like Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for choosing me. And bit by bit, I began to remember, Ooh, I'm highly favored. I'm highly favored. At times when I've thought, I'm so tired of being strong for everybody else. Woe is me. Who's going to be strong for me? Nobody here would have had that thought, I'm sure. You know. The Lord is so kind. He smiles and he, uh, he says, here I am. And then I realize and remember, actually, the one who is perfect The perfect one, the perfect person, God himself is here to minister to me 24-7. I don't have to make an appointment with him. He's there to put his arm around me, to speak to me, to fight for me, to rejoice over me, to protect me. The perfect one is my counselor, is my comfort. Hallelujah. Now, I've got people that I am accountable to, that I, I do speak to. But I tell you what, I can't call them any time of day or night. I've, but I've got the perfect one. <sighs> I don't have to just send a text and hope he answers. He's right with me. Hallelujah. All the time to comfort me. And then I go from feeling sorry for myself to feeling incredibly privileged. Hallelujah. He's my God and he is for us. Amen. But you know, he says, again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, they've killed the prophets with your sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. But you know, God, by this stage, he doesn't even address any of those issues. He's like, yeah, all right, enough. Come on, let's go. You really want to you really want to be done? All right. Here's a here's a replacement. Go and anoint this one. We'll do this. And you know what? If you choose to forget to give up, you have that choice. And we need to be wise in our anger not to sin. You can make big mistakes in the midst of a very bad mood. 
And you can't afford to be fatalistic and say, well, whatever, you know, God won't take me seriously. Hey, be careful. Be careful if you think, well, you know, I just, I just deserve to comfort myself with, you know, some alcohol or whatever. You know, but if you're doing it to comfort yourself with alcohol, then what's going to happen the next time you have a bad day? You know, you, you, you need to be careful. I'm not saying uh, making any legalistic rules, but if you start leaning on anything other than who he is, you are setting yourself up for trouble. Myself, personally, I don't want to ever have any spirit in charge of me other than the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I'm 45. I've never been drunk in my whole life because the reality is I don't want to ever put myself in the position that something other than the Holy Spirit is controlling me. My life's been bought with a price. So if you're like, well, I just deserve it. I'm just going to go get drunk. You know what? Who knows what you might do? Who knows why the enemy tr might try and exploit that? And what trouble might come of it? You need to recognize that you are a prize that the enemy is fighting over. That the, that the Lord is fighting for. God is for you. You are so valuable. You are so precious. You are so powerful. And you need to realize, hallelujah, wake up, remember, what am I doing here? This isn't where I am. I'm called to be seated with him in heavenly places. I've been anointed. I am highly favored by the spirit of the, of the sovereign God is upon me, upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news of the gospel. I thank you, Father, that it's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Your spirit's upon me. I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I thank you that I'm called to do greater works than Jesus did. I thank you, Lord, that I am called to be the light of the world, that your hope is going to go out through my life. Hallelujah. You need to shake yourself off and wake up out of the discouragement, out of the despair and say, Lord, I choose life. When you feel like, I just want to give up. I've had enough. I'm done. Done, 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 done. I am done. My life's a musical. But when you get to that point, you're oh, I'm done. Be careful. Be careful. You need to realize, hey, this is real. This is real. You're not a child. You've been called. You've been appointed. You've been anointed. And you have choices to make. And you can throw your tantrum, but realize if you throw a tantrum, it may not just be you that is affected. I'm being mama because I love you. But the Lord himself, he has called you for a great purpose and a great destiny. You know, you need to recognize like Peter, hey, where else am I going to go? You alone have the words of life, Jesus. You know, when I feel like giving up, I'm going to say, hey, it doesn't matter what I feel like. The just shall live by faith. I'm going to put my hope in who you are. I'm going to say, when I feel like I've got no strength left in my weakness, you are strong. That I can get all that I need from you. I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to choose to shift my focus from the attacks of the enemy, from the drama that's going on around me. And I'm going to put my eyes on the reality that I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm sanctified. I'm chosen by the living God to manifest Christ. 
Well, I mean, yeah, you and me, we're excited about that. Ha, 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 shaka. <laughs> what do you look like? God wants you to remember. What do you look like? Who are you? What are you doing in the cave? If you're in that place where you've just slipped your life into neutral and you're watching, you know, 15 hours of television because you just don't want to face reality. Just one more episode. One more. One more. That time, that space that you are trying to block everything out, God's got a far better way. And his ways are wonderful. God wants to fill your mind, not with the drama. He wants to fill your mind with thoughts of his kingdom being expanded. Hallelujah. He's got plans. I love it. You know, I, I talked to Pastor James and, and when he had that breakthrough in the hospital, a seven-hour encounter with God where he was supposed to die that night. And, and here's God comes into the room and for seven hours talks to him about the future and things to come and doesn't even mention cancer. And he wakes up well. Hallelujah. God isn't focused on your problems. He knows how to fix it. Bring it to him. Talk to him about it. But then move on. Sometimes I even fall into the trap of making my prayer time only about the problems. You can give the problems to him, but then move on. Clear that space and say, uh -uh, okay, now I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm going to set my think mind on things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. Hallelujah. I am deliberately going to remember I am not called to live in the drama. I am called to live in the lights. I'm called to live above the, the noise and the stress and the, the tumult. Hallelujah. So I believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you today. He wants to bring you out of the drama and into the glory. He wants to bring you out of the problems and the discouragement. And he wants to speak words of life and hope. He wants to release vision into your heart. What can you see? What can you see? The Lord wants you to see his ways, his thoughts, his plans. It's a, it's a powerful thing to begin to just declare, thank you, God. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And to begin to deliberately start to enter into the mind of Christ, to begin to use what you've been given and dream about what God wants to do. Dream his dreams. His desires are more wonderful than you could ever imagine. And his delight is to take you forward in hope and in vision so you can see. Hallelujah. What can you see? You know, it's so tempting sometimes just to think, well, you know, this is what it's been like. So this is what it's going to be like. Instead, you know, especially when you're tired, well, you know, probably just have, you can, you can even get the feeling it's probably just going to be the same old, same old. Celebrate that you are not destined by your feelings. You are destined by the plan of heaven. God's already told you what the plan looks like. The plan looks like greater works than I did, you're going to do. 
I've laid up good works in advance for you to do. The plan is that you manifest me, that you be a, re- a minister of reconciliation, that you bind up the brokenhearted, that you set the captives free. That's what it looks like. What does it look like? What does 2016 look like dreaming the dreams of God and his kingdom? What do you, what can you see? What does it look like? What can you see? I, you know, I can see so much because the will of God is to get his glorious uh, word out throughout all of the, all of the earth. He wants to bring people to Christ. Whatever God's giving you faith to see, you need to start exercising it and look to begin to celebrate, to begin to get excited about it. I was um, ministering over at KCC this morning and just in worship, I was thinking about this. What does 2016 look like? My feelings, because I'm tired, I was like, oh, maybe. And then I went, stop it. Now, by faith, what does 2016 look like? Oh, yeah. And immediately my hands just went up higher because I had to worship some more. And you can see it. The response will be that the joy comes and you start to enter into worship and celebration. You begin to sing, O barren, you who have not born. The enemy wants to crowd out the hope. He wants to crowd out the joy. He wants to crowd out the dreams. But the Lord wants to fill your heart and fill your thoughts with his dreams, with his ways, with his plans. You might be going through the worst time in your life, but I tell you, it's the very best time to start dreaming the dreams of God. Your very best response is not to run away into the cave. Your very best response is not to go back fishing. Your very best response is to be deliberate. Okay, God. Thank you, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. What does it look like, God? What does your will look like this year? Father, what does it look like? What's in your heart for the kingdom this year? What's your plan? What do, what do you want me to expect to see? What do you want me to, to imagine? You know, as you, can you see it? Can you see it? Because if you can see it, you can have it. If you haven't got a vision, then you are just going to go through 2016 aimlessly. You're going to accidentally go through. But if instead you are looking, you are seeing, you are declaring, then you will deliberately go through by faith. The just shall live by faith, not by accident, not by feelings. What does 2016 by faith look like for you? What does this Christmas by, in faith look like for you? What does your week look like for you? You know, you've got these incredible tools, but if you don't recognize it, if you don't remind yourself and remember, if you don't let the Lord speak the truth in love to you and say, hey, stop it, just stop it. What are you doing here? This is not where you belong. Get up, shake off the dust, arise, shine, pick up the weapons of your warfare for they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. There is no temptation that's overtaken you that he doesn't give you grace to overcome. And if you feel like it's just too much, I'm all by myself. You need to turn your head and recognize he's standing there going, really? He's there saying, I'm here. Can I help you? 
Can I remind you about my word? Can I encourage you? Can I strengthen you? He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to give you vision. He wants to open up your eyes so you can see. Hallelujah. He wants to walk with you. He knows how to help you. You know, I like to do it before I even leave my bedroom. I need to get my attitude straight. I begin to declare, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you, God, that I have hope for the future. I thank you, God, that you are life in, in me and that I, I am one that l- releases life everywhere I go. I thank you, Lord. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I reckon myself dead. I thank you, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done because your ways way higher and better than my ways. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that I have the mind of Christ. Lord, I'm asking you to help me deliberately walk by faith today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I pray the word of God. I declare who he is because I can't afford to have a day where I am not being led by the spirit of God. I look sometimes, I remember an old movie um, by, where, about, it's not an old movie, a couple of years ago they did a movie on Margaret Thatcher's life. And there's a scene in there that I always remember. And she's been so successful and did so many wonderful things. But then she's at the table with her team. And it's, you know, she's just feeling frustrated. And she snaps at one of her close people and he humiliates him and that was the beginning of her downfall he resigned people went right that's enough and she was voted out of office and I look at that and think hey the faster I travel the higher the speed the more carefully I need to walk You know, when you're driving at high speed and you make an illegal lane change, not only can you be damaged, can you be killed, you can take out a whole lot of other people. We need to be vigilant. We can't afford to have a bad day. You aren't born to have bad days. You are born to walk in victory with the one who has already purchased victory for you. When the going gets tough, the righteous run into the name of the Lord and they're safe. Hallelujah. Ah, wonderful Jesus. Well, Father, I ask your encouragement today, Lord, that you would strengthen your people. Lord, that you would strengthen their, your, their resolve, God, that they would set their face like flint to recognize that they've been chosen. They've been anointed. They've been called. Lord, that you are their supernatural strength. When they come to the end of their strength, they have an unlimited supply of your incredible strength. I thank you, Lord, that in you we live and move and have our being. Lord, we don't have to be observers of your truth. Lord, we can be in it, experience experiencing it, walking it out because you are our supply. You are in us. We are in you. We are not alone. We are never alone because you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, give us supernatural revelation of the privilege we have of the fellowship of the perfect one, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So Lord, I'm asking 
that you would wake up your people, that you would help them shake off the dust, that you would bring them out of the caves, Lord God, that you would bring them out of depression, Lord, that you would help them recognize when they're being tempted to slip their lives into neutral. But Father, instead, you would take them on at an accelerated pace for your glory as they hold fast to do to you and do things that they cannot do, but by your supernatural power. Lord, I'm asking, Father, and we deliberately choose in this season of unprecedented favor and glory that is coming upon the church to partner with you, to focus on you, to fix our eyes on your kingdom, on your plans, to deliberately uh, uh, look at you and not focus on what the enemy's doing, but to celebrate your goodness. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you would give us dove's eyes, the eyes that see you and nothing else. Father, I ask for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, so often, you know, the world is so good at focusing on the drama and the lies. <gasps> the worse it is, the more the details we want to know. Because that's the enemy's plan. If he can get you to look and see the evil, you start to become overcome. You start to become discouraged. You start to believe lies. But if instead you'll focus on God and his plans and his thoughts and his purposes, you will see supernatural acceleration. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. Lord, that you would help us be fully aware and fully awake. Father, I thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ because of your great mercy. Father, I'm asking that you would help us to be deliberate to choose life. Lord, to choose life in every day, every moment, to choose life, to choose life-giving words, to make life-giving choices, to look at you and say, Lord, your ways are wonderful. Your ways are just. Teach me your ways. To be able to say like Christ, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I choose you. I choose you, Jesus. I choose your ways because your ways are perfect. Father, we say thank you. Father, I thank you that you who is able to keep us from falling, you who has given us your divine nature that we might walk out in holiness. Father, I thank you that you've given us power every day to be as you are. I thank you, Lord. Help us to know and understand, to know the truth of who we are, that we might manifest you in our everyday circumstances. Father, we ask this.